Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. I am your co-host, Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on Instagram. And I am J. Allen Cross, also known as at Oregon Woodwitch on Instagram. How are you, Jay? I am doing good. Just living my best life. This week is a little weird. How is your week? Um, it's been a weird week too. I mean, we just wrapped up Mercury retrograde. It is what is even the month? It's February 24th today of this recording. So yeah, we're wrapping up Mercury retrograde. You just went through a harrowing ice storm. I did. We are all still alive, which is good. We had power um, cut off, no reception, nothing, no heat for about two days, which was like the apocalypse. And then right after us came Texas. And so I feel terrible talking anything about my problems. But um, but yeah, we, we did. We have a lot of damage here still. Um, a lot of people still don't have power a couple of weeks later. So we're slowly getting it cleaned up. Right now, going for a walk is a little weird suddenly just tree branches will still just fall or there will be power lines down still so we're just you know it's just life in the apocalypse 2020 was just kind of our acclimating period to the apocalypse 2021 is now we're going full apocalypse which is good that's exciting so yeah we're just gonna burn this bitch down right yeah i mean you have had to run from fire and then you've (laughs) had to deal with an ice storm (laughs) yeah yeah we have Along with the pandemic, Oregon, especially the area that I live in, has been, you know, we had to evacuate because of the wildfires that happened. One of our guests that we actually had on, Anwen Avalon, she lives um, very near me. We're we're neighbors. And her house is kind of, she's very rural. She's kind of out in the wilderness. This is the power of magic. The fire burned in a horseshoe around her house. And she uploaded this picture onto her Instagram of this little scorched mark on her porch where a piece of flaming debris like flew and landed on her porch and then burned and went out without lighting anything on fire. And I'm like, that is why you do your protection magic, people. Yeah. And I mean, she's also a water witch. So. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That fire never stood a chance. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, we um, haven't been getting ice. We have gotten a lot of snow, but I live in an area where it's supposed to snow a lot in the winter. So it's kind of like things are normal. Um, But there's been, yeah, lots of snow kind of been snowed in and haven't really been able to go anywhere or take my dog for a run in the sagebrush. And we've both been a little cooped up. And I have had a lot of coffee today. So... We're going to see how this podcast goes. We're going to get into it. Good news is that over here, spring seems to be in the air. So I think it'll be heading your way in the not too distant future. It's Mm -hmm. starting. We have little buds. We have the crocuses coming up. um, The snowdrops are in full effect. So it's on its way. Nature's trying. I love it when the crocuses pop up in the spring and then they'll pop up in the fall. And it's always just like that little signal of the shift happening. I love it. So beautiful. All right. So today, what is our episode about? Oh, boy. It is about the rules of magic and the rules of witchcraft. Or we'll explore both of them because I feel like the rules of witchcraft and the rules of magic are kind of two different things. But we're going to be talking about the rules. The rules. Are there rules? You know, what are they if they exist? Uh, Because... That's something that we hear a whole lot, especially in social media, is this idea that there are no rules in witchcraft. And we're going to kind of explore this idea of rules, where rules come in, and if we can break them as well, or should we break them? Britton and I are kind of the perfect people to talk about this because our astrology, um, even though we are both Aries, we have slightly different placements. 
I am hard Virgo placements, which mean I am very into rules. Um, I am to the point where I am actually very pro having a government system within witches um, to kind of like give us structure and standing and oversee the whole thing. But I understand that's not for everybody. So I completely understand. On the other side, my co-host is an anarchist who is having an aneurysm right now (laughs) at the idea of having a governing body. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like bucking in my chair. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, so this is going to be a great discussion. I'm an Aquarius rising and my son is aspected to Uranus. So I have just like strong rebellion in my chart. Like as soon as I hear the rules, I'm like, okay, how can we break them? Right. So so this will be, but I also at the same time, and that's the interesting thing about Aquarius is that it's a bit paradoxical, is like Aquarius breaks the rules and innovates new ways to do things. But at mm-hmm. the same time is also their old ruler was, um, or co-ruler is Saturn. Saturn is about structure and mm-hmm. the rules. So it's kind of weird. I have like a love hate with rules and codes of conduct and prescribed ways of doing things and whatnot. So yeah, this is going to be a fascinating discussion. Absolutely. And I think it's important to talk about, you know, what what does it mean that something is a rule? You know, does it mean that you are physically incapable of doing it? Does it mean that, you know, you are going to get in trouble by somebody if you're going to do with it? Because that's not necessarily what we're talking about. You know, what what I'm what I'm talking about when I bring up rules in witchcraft is things that are just generally a bad idea that you really just shouldn't do. So it's, it's the same reason why your mother told you, like, don't go down the stairs in a laundry hamper, because that's probably not going to end well for you. Some of us have probably done it and lived through it, and it was a great experience, which is, like, awesome. So sometimes that does happen. Sometimes, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you're unable to do something, but sometimes there are things that are just bad ideas. And this idea Mm. that there are no rules in witchcraft has accidentally uh, translated to people very wild things from there are no consequences for your actions ever, which is not true. When it comes to this work, there is definitely some consequences that might happen depending on what you choose to do with your witchcraft and with your magic. Oh, and it's also translated to some people as well that this idea of no rules means that they can wildly make up just whatever they want and that it's just a complete free-for-all um, and there's no structure and that they can just live in complete fantasy or delusion and still expect it to be respected, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing. Um, but on the flip side, too, really amazing things happen when you do break the rules sometimes. So we're going to kind of talk mm-hmm. about both of them a little bit. One of the things I want to sort of flush out first is, is this idea of, of no rules in witchcraft. Was this something that you were told to when you were first beginning? Um, no, not really. To be honest with you, I didn't hear that. I, I want to say that this no rules in witchcraft is something that's kind of been born out of the internet. And more specifically, like with social media. And mm-hmm. as witchcraft is getting more popular on social media, but I didn't really hear that. To be honest with you, I, when I first mm-hmm. dipped my toes into witchcraft, it was with a coven. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never initiated. But I was immediately given structure um, in those like first preliminary steps that you take in your path. And basically what they did was gave me a pile of books to read. Um, And then, yeah, they walked me through some pretty basic stuff. So I think they kind of like implied that, that there were rules without saying there were rules. Early on when I was starting, I was definitely told this idea that there were no rules in witchcraft. However, it was given to me in context. And what they meant originally, at least when they were talking to me about there are no rules in witchcraft, what they meant was you are free to express yourself in this craft, which is very different from no rules at all, do whatever you want. Uh, So for instance, I was told early on, like, you know, Say you're casting a love spell and the love spell calls for rose petals, but you don't want to use rose petals. You want to use lavender or you want to use 
Queen Elizabeth route or something like that, then go for it. Absolutely. That makes sense. Follow that. Um, don't feel like you have to, that there's only one way to cast a spell. And so the way that I talk about this a lot is what we mean by no rules is say you are going to go make an apple pie and you go online and there is a million different recipes for apple pie. Everyone is going to do it differently. And, you know, some people like to put cinnamon in it. Other people like to put nutmeg. Some people use, you know, this type of sugar, that type of whatever. So all these different recipes still make apple pie though, right? And so you're free to express yourself, you know, right? However you want your apple pie to look, you can do that. However, people nowadays are taking it a step further and being like, they're making sushi and being like, this is my apple pie because there are no rules. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that's not how this works, right? So that's kind of what um, I feel like we're kind of here to talk about a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So do you have personal rules in your practice, things that you won't do or things that you always do or do do you have any of those that guide your practice goodness you know i don't have any like okay i think i do have one rule and this is a rule that you and i both agree on um don't summon something you can't banish yeah that's just a, that's, that's just good common sense <laughs> that's just good common sense but you know my dad always said growing up he says common sense isn't very common yeah. <laughs> yes. Especially nowadays, I feel. But with rule, you know, I just don't think about the rules, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, yeah, no, that's good. Um, so what we're kind of going to be going through here um, is some rules that um, mostly I've come up with uh, about, you know, things that I feel are rules for everyone. And we're going to kind of discuss them a little bit. You know, this is kind of, and again, this doesn't mean that this is something that you can't do, right? It just means that overall, this is just going to go not well for you if you try and do it. Before we move into that, could I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. I kind of wanted to ask you this question. Where do you think um, there are no rules in witchcraft? Like, where do you think that comes from? Do you think there's like an origin point? I can see where it slowly develops from this sort of idea of there's more than one way to do things. Mm -hmm. Evolving into there are no rules. I think recently it's had such an explosion because it it makes witchcraft so much more marketable and easier to sell. If you tell people that there are no rules, it's totally safe, all these things that we're getting fed right now. Um, so I do think that there's definitely a progression of it. But as far as a point of origin, I don't know. Um, mm. I mean, in a lot of different cultures, magic and witchcraft really still have rules. So in my culture, um, I come from Puebloan people. If we mix up the steps or we mix up the plants we're using incorrectly, then you become a skinwalker. Um, and that's not good. <laughs> um, so it's, I, I definitely come from cultures where magic has rules. Um, so I, I think it's, I don't know. I, I can sort of see where it progresses from, but I don't know about a, a origin point. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if it, if it's just like that spirit of rebellion that's inherent in witchcraft, mm -hmm. um, I feel there are definitely like rules to magic, but every time I like try to apply a structure or like a framework or look at witchcraft with rules, like it's just so hard to pin down and define for me, um, like rules and whatnot. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's something that I think is important to come into this conversation, too, is the fact that witchcraft is inherently rebellious. It inherently goes against sort of the mainstream. And that includes things like rules and structure. Um, so I do think that's important for us to discuss mm -hmm. a lot, too. Yeah, um, especially dom dominant culture and the dominant paradigm is witchcraft is definitely going to kind of be like the opposite of that in many ways. Absolutely. Um, so do you want to get into a few of these possibles? Rules for everyone? Yes. Okay, yeah. Right. Um, 
I'm going to let you take the first one. <laughs> this is a good one. So a lot of these, when we go through it, will be things that you're like, well, duh, of course you don't do that. But I think that's important to kind of point out that clearly rules rules are a thing that we're all kind of aware of because like we're talking about, you know, most of these things do seem to be common sense, um, which is why when people say that there are absolutely no rules in witchcraft, I assume that they are either new here or they are just willfully ignorant about it at this point. But the first one I have on the list is don't feed your unsuspecting romantic partner period blood or your underwear juice. It's icky. And also you will go to jail. Um, This is something that I have seen multiple occasions online where I've gotten DMs from people that are like, so there's this guy I like. And every time he stays over, I've been putting my period blood in his food or like I've been like wringing out my underwear in his coffee so that he will love me and it's not working. What else can I do? And I'm like, first of all, I'm going to need you to not. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah. This is something that is happening out there because people realize that in, you know, some forms of magic, I, I believe that a lot of this comes from places like hoodoo, but I know that they do it in other cultures and other um, communities as well, where where they will do this in order to sort of make somebody love them. And I think that number one, that's terrifying. But mm-hmm. we also have to realize that the time period is so different back then when these things were created. Back then, like you had to have a man in your house that meant income, it meant protection, it meant support, it meant, you know, a house that gets built, um, things like that. Nowadays, we don't need that so much. So then going as far as to tamper with somebody's food with some very unsanitary substances in order to make somebody love you is, it's way too much. It's way too much. And it's illegal Mm -hmm. too. They call it food tampering. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay, because I was going to ask you about that part, like going to jail, it just sounds so specific. Like, have you heard of it? Like any stories or? Um, I have not. But I do know that um, that food tampering is illegal. Um, I don't know the specifics on whether or not it's like a misdemeanor or a felony. I'm betting it kind of depends on what was put in there. Um, But no, I think you can definitely land yourself in some very big trouble if you are caught doing this right um and also I mean, it's just gross. that's a biohazard <laughs> yeah like yeah and it's so a biohazard like if you yeah. are, if you're feeding your menstrual blood i mean you need to make you need to make sure you're clean uh you know mm-hmm. getting like a blood test and making sure you're free and clear of things but consensually you yeah. know like that can be a great way to bond with bond with your partner if it's consensual um, always asking consent, asking permission is like a pretty key thing. Um, yeah. I agree with you. 100%. Yeah. If, if you have, um, you know, consensual fluid swapping or doing whatever you would like. Yeah. 100%. I support it. Um, mm-hmm. it's the, the unsuspecting part is the key word. So if you're right. going to do it, definitely talk them through it. Um, We'll see. And it doesn't work that well. For, judging by my DMs, um, it's not working out that well for people anyway. So as far as, you know, making somebody love you this direction. So I would I would just skip over that, possibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So number two, you know, I also just want to say, like, that is like a super old spell, too, though. And I think that from what I have read, like, yeah, it's used in hoodoo, but also used in like Italian folk magic as well. That's yeah, like I, one of the origin points, but I think it's just like one of those ancient old, old spells that perhaps we should reconsider. <laughs> right. Historical context is really important when it comes to deciding what kind of magic to use. You know, back then when this was created, did we know about, you know, bloodborne diseases or, you know, any of the other stuff that can come with, you know, wringing your underwear out in someone's morning orange juice or whatever it is that people are doing these days out here in these streets? But yeah, definitely it didn't take historical context into account for sure. Mm -hmm. 
So number two, don't summon what you can't banish. We kind of mentioned this already, but plain and simple, y'all, like if if you can't banish it, maybe you don't want to summon it. Yeah, not yet. And remember, sometimes these rules don't mean never. Sometimes they mean maybe just not at this time, right? All rules have nuance. So right now, you know, take a look. Are you thinking about summoning that demon so that you can get a boyfriend? Maybe make sure you can get rid of it once if you need to, you know, or undo whatever it is that you are about to do. Because once mm-hmm. certain genies are let out of the bottle, it can be very, very hard to get them back in. And it can also cause you a great deal of issues as well. It's just not a good idea to summon anything that you are not able to also put away. Right. Yeah. If you're unfamiliar with the spirit or the spirit's kind of like outside the realm of what you're used to working with, maybe do some warm up exercises, like working with your familiar spirits and whatnot. And sometimes they can even give you good guidance on how to do those things. And they will also protect you. So definitely, definitely get some practice in before you're summoning stuff, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't need to summon anything real big too soon. Start small. You know, start with a saint or something else that's not going to, you know, take your soul back down to the underworld. It's just, right. we, we want to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever summoned something that spooked you? No, but in my work through paranormal investigation, I run across this a lot where I'll come into a house and come across this real nasty entity. And I'm like, Hey, you got to leave. And they're like, no, I don't. They said I could be here. I was invited. And I'm like, Oh God. And then I have to go back to the family and be like, so what did you do? And then they're like, nothing. And I'm like, no, really? What did you do? And they're like, so we had a slumber party and someone had a Ouija board. And then we called forth this thing. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Good luck with that. (laughs) Like, um, so yeah, it, it definitely does happen. I have not, um, because my Virgo self is not about that life, but it definitely does happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Number three, I'll let you take that one. Uh, this is a good one. And along the same vein is, uh, don't let a random spirit borrow your body. Sometimes they ask, you should say no. If you're, especially if you're not familiar with the spirit and sometimes even when you're familiar with the spirit, this does happen occasionally. Um, people will think that they are connecting with something very nice, like a saint or whatever. And suddenly it's like, hey, um, you know, God wants me to borrow your body real quick so I can do something really good. And people are like, that sounds great. Um, don't do that. Definitely don't do that. Definitely make sure whatever it is that's around you is super safe before you do that. And even then I wouldn't do that unless you're under some supervision, someone who can help you, someone who can guide you through that process, because possession is not something that you mess with, um, especially just kind of on a whim. And when it comes Mm -hmm. to spirits, it's a little bit like when uh, websites like, we'll never ask you for your password, you know, like (laughs) most of the good spirits that you're going to be working with, like with some exceptions, certain cultures do practice like spirit possession, you know, things like voodoo. And I think Santeria will also do it. Um, But that's also a very specific um, sort of practice that they're going through, um, as opposed to just like random spirits you're working with, you know, like a saint or your ancestors or something. They shouldn't really ask to borrow your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in some traditions, um, possession is like a part of their process and whatnot. And usually those are closed traditions. So yeah, definitely don't be inviting spirits to take uh, inhabit your body. I do know, um, there's a witch that I do know of who is gifted for that work. Mm. Actually, I know two witches, and um, they do do possession work uh, fairly regularly. But one of them that I know of was wounded in Mm -hmm. possession uh they lost control of their body and got pretty badly hurt um so yeah this stuff does happen but you really need to have experience and i would even say like actual human support yes you know if you're gonna like dive into the waters of possession and whatnot 
recently there was a documentary that came out on Netflix called Surviving Death. And as both a psychic medium and a paranormal investigator, I can tell you they did a really, really excellent job with it. Um, and they talk about something called physical mediumship, which is where you, um, it's, it's a whole process, but essentially it's someone, it's a, it's a type of mediumship in which they allow the spirits to fully possess them. And then they take it steps further too, to make actual materializations happen. But it's a very intense form of mediumship. You have to have training for it. You have to have the right people around you. It requires a circle of people around you to not only stabilize the energy, but also to make sure that you're safe and that you don't get hurt. Um, people think it's really dramatic when they get like, because these mediums will often be strapped down to a chair when they do this work. But it's because of this idea of, you know, once you go into possession, you need to stay safe um, and make sure that you're not going to do something like, you know, lose control of your body, go fall down the stairs or do something like that. So those are important things to take in mind that again, sometimes, you know, we are going to break these rules, but you know, we need the education, we need the, the training, we need the help in order to make sure these things can be done safely. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's fascinating. I'm going to have to check that out. Did you say it was on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's called Surviving Death. Um, they did an excellent job with it. I was actually really impressed. A lot of the time, most um, paranormal documentaries are terrible, um, but I really like this one. And if anyone is listening and you liked Surviving Death, I highly recommend. Um, it's on YouTube for free. It's called The Afterlife Investigations. And it's about the skull experiments that happened in Britain, which is very similar. Um, so I highly recommend Cool. Fascinating. All righty. Our next rule. And I'm curious if there's a story behind this, because I would not have thought of this as a rule. <laughs> oh, most of these, I think, came from watching witch talk. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Witch talk is such a thing. I live under a rock, y'all. So I don't really know what's happening on witch talk. And I don't really know what's happening on Instagram anymore. Um, next rule. Don't pick a fight with the Fae. You will not win. You really won't. It's just not a good idea. Yeah. It's, just, it's not. It's just not. Trixie. It's, Trixie. They are tricky little bastards. And you, yeah, you do not want to have a fight with the Fae. It's just not, it's just not going to go good for you. Um, <laughs> there was something that happened on Witch Talk a few months ago. I think it was what happened before they tried to hex the moon. They were trying to hex the Fae. <laughs> Because someone, I, I, I think someone said that the Fae were like stealing their keys all the time or something. And someone was like, you should hex them. And then everyone's like, yeah, we should all hex the Fae because like they're doing bad stuff. I don't know. Mob mentality always talk. Um, yeah, don't do not do that. Don't mess with the Fae. Don't. I mean, you, you can work with the Fae. That's different mm -hmm. than like picking a fight with them or squaring up to a Fae. And even working with the Fae can be very tricky business. Mm hmm. Yeah. If I were to work with the Fae, I would just like give them gifts like all yeah. the time to curry favor. I wouldn't. I, it, you know, I'm an Aries naturally. Um, we do enjoy fighting, but we also know when to pick our battles. And I am like, I just have like no interest in picking fights with spirits. I'll fight all day long with my ancestors and like my familiar spirits. Like we'll argue I get into frequent arguments with one spirit in particular, <laughs> but I just could not imagine. Yeah. Wanting to challenge the Fae or, or like, yeah, the whole hexing the moon thing. Like what, what? I don't know. Some people's children just out here unsupervised with the witchcrafts. See, this is this is why I want a government system. I'm like, these people are going wild in here. We need some sort of structure. Um, but yeah, so just, you know, don't pick a fight with the fate. Don't pick a fight with spirits. You know, people ask me a lot, you know, how do I ask the fate to do things for me? I'm like, I, I'm with Britain here. You know, just leave offerings, give them gifts, and they will take care of you. I, you don't have to ask them for anything or, or make deals with them. Just make sure that the Fae that are around you in your garden space or wherever it is that you are, are happy. And the rest of it will just fall into place. Mm -hmm. And make sure, 
Yeah. Make sure you're giving them offerings like consistently. Don't do it when you just want something. I think that that's illustrated really well in the show American Gods. It was a book by Neil Gaiman. There's like a whole episode where a girl works with um, the Fae, essentially. And she kind of like lapses on her offerings to them. She leaves them cakes and milk and and whatnot. And um, when she lapses, like things start to go bad for her. And then it's like, then she kind of gets into a routine where she like only gives them offerings when she wants to. Or when, when she want rather when she wants something. So it's good to just stay on top of your offerings. Yeah. And this is something too, like there have been a couple occasions where through my paranormal investigation work that I've been called to homes and I have had the real uncomfortable experience of trying to explain to normal people that they don't actually have a ghost, which was like already out of their realm of like cognitive possibility and explain to them that they actually had a fairy issue and people are like okay so we called the wrong person i'm like no just hear me out hear me out um and then yeah if you just kind of like build them a little house like out in the backyard leave them some stuff they'll move out there and kind of leave you alone but they can cause problems for sure so just just play it cool with the fae y'all don't pick a fight don't throw a punch at a fae they will steal your firstborn and your keys <laughs> Alrighty, what is our next rule? This one's for you. Um, I love this one uh, because I think this is important, is always uphold your end of the deal. If you promise a spirit something, you need to deliver, which is why it's really important that when you promise a spirit, like, hey, if you do this thing for me, I will do this thing in return, um, make sure that it's something that you can give. Make sure that it's something that is going to definitely doable for you especially if you are working with really intense deities or spirits like santa muerte or kali or any of these people you do not want to snub them on gifts trust me um a common story when it comes to santa muerte work is that people will say like you know hey if you do this thing for me i will get a tattoo of you like across my chest you know and then she comes through, as she always does, and then people are like, well, um, I maybe don't have enough money for a giant chest tattoo, or maybe I'm rethinking that I don't want a giant chest tattoo, and then it goes really, really bad for them afterwards. So we mm-hmm. always want to make sure. And of course, not all spirits are wrathful like that. You know, sometimes saints or whatever won't necessarily seek revenge, but they're not going to want to work with you again if you are just not upholding your end of it. Because it's important. We need to strike that balance and that give and take in this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely consider what it is you are promising and making sure you can uphold that end of the deal. I have made the unfortunate mistake of um, not upholding my end of the deal once. And it did. It bit me in the butt. My life did not go well for a little while. Um. I wasn't prepared. So I broke the rule. (laughs) Broke the rule. But also, extreme wisdom comes from that. Right? Right. But it wasn't wasn't intentional rule breaking. It was just like not having the foresight. So it's like, yeah, if you're going to make a deal with a spirit, definitely like sit down and think about it. Like, am I really going to be able to uphold this end of the bargain? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's why I always kind of lowball what it is. Because sometimes, you know, if it's a big thing that you're asking for, you know, you definitely are going to need some big gesture um, in return. But, you know, I I make sure it's something that I can do. Um, a lot of times when I'm working with saints, I will promise to donate to a charity in their name um, if they come through for me. And I specify, you know, what type of charity and an amount that I know I can comfortably do um, mm. and then just call it a day. And I find that that's something that they like, but also it's, it's a good way for me to just not get in trouble. Cause people sometimes be like, well, then I'll light a candle to you every Sunday for the rest of your life. And I'm like, some Sundays you're not going to be able to do that. Like, right. 
Right. Yeah. You know, I do feel that ancestors are a little more forgiving. Yes. Um, when it comes to that stuff. So I just thought I'd put that out there because I did um, make a promise to my ancestors once, didn't quite um, follow through on it. And it wasn't too bad. I think they I think I definitely had some old grandmothers looking at me scornfully from above. (laughs) They're not mad. They're just disappointed. Very disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All righty. So. Our next rule, and this kind of goes back to our first rule in a way, mm-hmm. don't feed spirits blood, especially human spirits. They can get addicted and they can become violent. Absolutely. Yeah, this is something I see a lot of new people do too. And they like to do it because it's very effective. Like, um, you know, you feeding human spirits blood, like, you know, you go down to the graveyard, you call somebody up and you're like, I need you to go do this thing for me. And you give them blood. It's like giving them like, you know, some sort of drug. They get really energized. They get really excited. They go and they do the thing and they have all this power. And we have to remember, though, that our blood is basically our life force. And so giving that to them reminds them of what it's like to be alive. It reminds them of all this, you know, stuff that they've had to be without. And so people like to do this because then they get, you know, very loyal, very effective spirit people around them. But if you then stop, then you're in trouble because then they've gotten used to it. They really like it. They want more of it. So I don't, I don't bring out the blood unless absolutely necessary. And even then Mm -hmm. I don't like to give it to human spirits. It's just, it's just a rest. It's just a bad day. It's a bad day. Right. And the kind of blood we're talking about here is like pricking your finger or making a cut. We're not talking about like, if you're a person that menstruates, we're not talking. I mean, I offer uh, my menstrual blood to like specific deities where like that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. I also water my house plants (laughs) (laughs) because it's great fertilizer. So, yeah, we're talking about, like, blood that is kind of like an ordeal to give. Yeah, bloodletting, like, kind of like sacrificial blood sorts of things. Um, Yeah, and so certain spirits, so, like, things like rocks and boulders really sort of have a thing for bodily fluid. I don't know where it comes from. But things like rocks, boulders, and whatnot, um, they'll ask for blood. And I think that's okay. Because a rock is not going to come after you and like haunt you or something like that. I'm talking like specifically like graveyard human spirits. Um, Certain deities, I think, Mm. probably would be fine. But even in that, um, even in that instance, I would be concerned about it because when we're working at our altars, which are portals, um, blood is a very hot energy. And doing that too much, our altars can heat up and then that's going to attract other things to it. We're essentially kind of chumming the water around our altar a little bit and eventually you're going to get a shark um so that's what i say i i don't i don't do the cutting magic unless unless it has to be done Mm -hmm. yeah that's just wise that's good wisdom right there yeah so what is our next rule um don't take things from a cemetery without asking first Mm-hmm. I it's think polite. that's just polite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's polite. You're you're gonna get hated if if you just start taking things. And I don't mean things like trash. I mean if if you're cleaning up a graveyard or you're picking up, you know, old plastic balls, stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, but if it's something that looks like it was left there, you know, for somebody, whether it's um, like coins or even things like dead flowers. I'll still kind of ask. Normally they're like, yes, please get the shit off. Um, but you know, always, always ask when you're in a cemetery. Mm-hmm. A good practice um, that I learned early on when doing cemetery work is like when I enter the cemetery, I leave three pennies at the gate or the entryway. I don't know if that's like a common thing. That was just something that I was taught. Yeah. Um, I do so you just kind of like, Yeah, you just kind of like enter into the graveyard with like good vibes, good intentions, being like, hey, I'm here for like good exchange. I'm not here to like take anything. Hashtag good vibes only. Good vibes only. Good vibes only. 
I think we have one more because my last one, I don't even know what that is, but we have one more. Well, okay. Ooh, this is a tricky, touchy one. Don't try to fix your trauma or mental health issues with spells. Don't do it. It's just, just don't not- do it. Um, I get a therapist. Yes. Get a therapist, mental health professionals. And this is something that I've been talking about on Instagram a little bit too, where it's, we have to recognize at wit as witches, what the scope of our practice is. And the scope of our practice is witchcraft, not mental health care. Unless you are also a licensed mental health professional, we as witches should not be giving other people mental health advice. We should not be telling people to fix their deep-seated childhood trauma by holding amethyst and journaling. Um, We also should not be telling people that um, shadow work is a way to fix your trauma. That is not what this is about. Um, So really understand that where our expertise lies and what you should and should not be giving advice on. And People, when I was posting this, a lot of people were like, well, like this is this is very problematic because a lot of people don't have access to mental health care. And so we have no other place to turn. And I'm like, I agree. But the answer to that is mental health care reform, not witchcraft. Right. right. There's so many other resources that you can go to that aren't witchcraft to like support your mental health. Um, and you know, like, it's not to say that like holding an amethyst and journaling is, is like unhelpful. It can be helpful. It can be helpful in conjunction with professional therapies and help and like doing the work. And I also want to just echo and agree with you on shadow work. Shadow work can activate a lot within you because you are coming face to face with the beast that's in you, the shadow and your taboo, like the traumas and everything. And that is like a place that you want to tread very carefully. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's something I see a lot in like online Facebook groups, people being like, I am having nightmares because of all this trauma that I have. And people are like, Oh, just do your shadow work, you know, meditate a little bit and you'll be fine. And it'll all go away. And I'm like, no. And I, I've too also noticed there's a big shift and people wanting all spell work to be applicable to trauma. So like the other day I posted something like, here's a little spell to help find a lost object. And someone's someone comments. They're like, can I use this to find the parts of me that went away after my trauma experience? And I'm like, Whoa, no, this is for finding your keys. This is not, no, none of that. And I agree with you. Witchcraft and spiritual things can be helpful alongside qualified professional mental health care. It's not a substitution mm-hmm. for, though. And also any, you know, Instagram witch or whatever that tells you just, just to go off your medication all of a sudden is that's very bad advice. Never listen to that advice. Do not just go off your meds um, without right. some sort of doctor approval or supervision that can be very bad yeah i that's uh one thing that really grinds my gears is folks and witches especially who shame others who do use medication for their mental health i'm a person who uses medication for my mental health i am adhd and i have bipolar too and it saves my life and (laughs) having somebody tell you that you know, witchcraft and magic as a replacement for professional help and therapies and medication, like just run away. Yeah, just run away. Well, and also I think a lot of these people don't realize that certain techniques within witchcraft can also aggravate mental health issues because a lot yes. of this things like journeying, hedge writing, um, certain types of spirit communication, anything that requires altered states of consciousness. And a lot of these things also come along with plants that can also really um, aggravate this process as well. Things like poisonous plants that are in um, flying ointments and whatnot can also be very detrimental to your mental health. And so if you approach some of these things without being completely stable to start with, they can really, really mess you up. And so just saying Mm -hmm. in general, witchcraft is good for mental health is not only inaccurate, but it can be very dangerous. 
So definitely, you know, if, if you want to do this alongside therapy or medication or anything like that, absolutely, I encourage that. And I also encourage spell work for things like, you know, sometimes finding a doctor is really hard or finding a therapist is really hard. You can cast spells mm-hmm. to find a therapist. You can cast spells to get a good doctor that will listen to you. I highly recommend that. But casting a spell that just makes your trauma all go away isn't something that exists. Right. For those people who are wanting to do this work, I really recommend working with St. Dymphna. She is the patron saint of people with mental health issues and anxiety disorders and things like that. I have had people have great success working with her and then getting like the right prescription meds that they need or getting a good doctor or any of those things. She's very helpful in kind of opening that road to you getting the professional help that you need. Yeah, I agree with you. Witchcraft can aggravate and stir up things within us. And so kind of going back to like our earlier episodes of the podcast where we've talked about foundational witchcraft practices, that's why grounding and centering and meditation and these practices are so important um, because it stabilizes you when the work does get a little wackadoodle. And I think that's what's getting missed in modern, most modern witchcraft or like thinking about witch talk and thinking about uh, Instagram is like, what's getting missed is the development of good character and solid discernment. Like, I think that's that that is like a priority or something that should be prioritized in witchcraft. Yes, yes, 100%. So what about rule breaking? Ooh, yes, switching (laughs) gears now. Rule breaking, should we do it? Can we do it? Do you have experiences with rule breaking that you would like to share or anything that you, you've had some moments with it? You rebel you? (laughs) Well, you know, I cannot think off the top of my head of any moments of breaking rules in witchcraft that I have done intentionally. I think when I hear like, the word rules, I think of, I think of confinement. I was raised in a really uh, strict Christian household with a lot of rules. And I think it just instilled in me, I also just have a very rebellious spirit. Like I said, Aquarius rising, and my son is like trine Uranus. (laughs) So there's a lot in there that's kind of like explosive and wanting to like bend the rules and find ways to kind of like manipulate them or break them. But unfortunately, I wish I could be more exciting. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) Well, I love you bring up kind of like the rebellious spirit idea because witchcraft is so inherently against the mainstream. You know, it's inherently rebellious. It's inherently rule breaking. So I think it's important to realize that even though there are rules, that there are consequences, you know, these things do exist. That doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, times and places in which we do break the rules. Um, And Mm -hmm. such intense learning and, um, you know, paradigm shifting and opening of our sense of the world and our sense of the work can really shift through rule breaking. So I don't think it's always bad. I do think that when we break them or even sometimes completely ignore them for certain periods of time um, can be a very interesting experiment. But we have to realize, too, that when we choose to break these rules, that we then need to take ownership of the responsibility. And I think that's something else that's really important in witchcraft is having the ability to own these mistakes and learn from them and kind of turn them into something that's very important for us. Yeah, we can't take an action and then like blame our shadow self or blame somebody else, you know, for it. We have to take ownership of our actions and ownership of the work that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, That is really important. But I wanted to, okay, Pablo Picasso is not my most favorite person in the world and also not my most uh, favorite artist. (laughs) But he has a great quote, and it goes like this. Learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Mm. And I think that that's really an interesting way of looking at it when we practice our witchcraft and we do follow the rules, um, that then we can begin to bend them 
and find the spaces of like revelation or innovation within our craft. Like we have to intimately know the rule in order to bend it or break it with integrity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. It does take kind of an awareness of the rules an awareness of sort of the science of magic in order to really break them in a way that is effective and meaningful and um, helpful for us. I think that's important. And two, when we were kind of texting the other day and you brought up the idea of kind of ownership of, you know, breaking the rules and doing it with intentionality and responsibility and, you know, accepting kind of what happens afterwards um, is also a huge part of witchcraft is taking ownership of it. You know what, this is something that I did, then I am now going to, you know, go through, you know, the consequences or what happens next, and I'm going to own it and be strong in the face of it and stand my ground, which is, is, is important too. That's also part of kind of being a witch and some of the lessons that we learn through this work is to then fully own that, including the mistakes, including the broken rules, including, you know, all this stuff, really owning it, I think is, is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some really beautiful things can come about when we take ownership of our actions. And it, yeah, it just makes me think about like, if you want to deploy a, a spell that you're a little nervous about, or it feels a little taboo, you know, and like taking ownership of, of what comes of that spell uh, can be really interesting, I think. Yeah. Own that taboo, right? Yes. Own that taboo. All right, you guys. So we're going to be wrapping up this rule breaking episode here. And before we go, we want to take a listener question. Um, We're going to try and sort of weave these in as we go. Um, If you guys send these to our Instagram DMs or to our email, which is hello at invokingwitchcraft.com. Um, you can send them there as well. So we're just going to kind of be dropping these every so often when we have just a little little bit of extra time and um, going through this. So this question comes from a person named Carla. And their question, it's they sent us kind of a long message, but we're going to paraphrase. Their question is about, it's about connection. And sometimes we don't have connection the way that other people seem to. And we can feel all kinds of ways about it. And so uh, the example she gives, um, they say, I hold a piece of selenite because I've read that it helps the third eye and crown chakras, which encourages connection to source and higher self. When holding the crystal and focusing my thoughts on any effect I can notice in my body or otherwise, I get nothing. Crickets. No physical sensations noticed in the hand Holding the selenite, no shift in any body sensations, no internal messages, no sensing of any energy. She says, then I then hand the selenite to my friend and she reacts immediately to touching it, gets a physical rush of energy through her hand and into her body. She claims to feel her energy shifting in her body, etc. Um, and Carla's like, you know what, what gives? Uh, you know, is a lot of people wonder in these situations, is there something wrong with me? Uh, you know, the selenite is just not lighting up my life. Um, what, what, what do we do? Have you ran into this, Britain? I have in many different forms. But first off, I would just say that there's nothing wrong with you. 100%. It's nothing just, wrong. It, nothing wrong with you. It's just different for you than it is for another person. And um, I'll try to make this a short story. But when I was in herbalism school in Portland, we went on a field trip. And we went to go sit with this really, it's kind of like a chief plant here in the Pacific Northwest, or at least on the rainforest side of the Pacific Northwest called Devil's Club. Devil's Club is this beautiful, frightening plant. It has these these spines along the stems that um, when you, uh, if you get a spine in you or you hit the plant, it will just dig into your skin. And the spines can also uh, carry staph infection. So you have to be really careful. Yeah, it, it can be really nasty. So we go on this field trip and we do a meditation with Devil's Club. And we all sit underneath these giant umbrellas because they have like these big leaves. So we're sitting there, we're doing the meditation 
and I'm sitting on a log and somebody else sat on the log near me and the log shifted and I threw my hand out to balance myself and I hit the devil's club and I got this. Yes, I got the spines in me. So I was like, of course, of all the people who are going to get the spines in him, it's me. So I'm sitting there with the spines in my hand. It hurts. We're doing the meditation. I get this very like hot heat reaction. And when I encountered the plant in my meditation, I wanted to fight the plant. I was kind of like, fuck you. It was That's a like really... the most serious thing ever. I'm here. I'm going to fight a plant. <laughs> I know. I'm going to fight you. And so, and I, you know, I was like, is this okay? Like, this is so weird. Like, it's a plant. I shouldn't feel this aggressive about it. And then when we gathered back all together, we each individually shared our experience. And I was the first person to share my experience. So I was just like, y'all, I I wanted to fight the plant and I wanted to fuck the plant. Like, it was like a fight or fuck (laughs) reaction to this plant. Everybody else was like, I was surrounded by a golden light and I felt really grounded. And I was like, is there something wrong with me? Am I broken? Aries approaches to most things is either I'm going to fight it, climb it, or fuck it. There, you just can't. You got to. Right? So sometimes stuff just shows up differently for you. Sometimes stuff does. And, you know, sometimes. So sensing energy is a skill, too, that takes time to develop and strengthen and learn how to listen for it and how to feel it. Um, And some people don't just come equipped with that sort of skill turned up in the volume, so to speak. Some people need help to kind of encourage it to kind of come through. And definitely don't compare, you know, what you're feeling with what somebody else is feeling for multiple reasons. Number one, you know, they might just simply have a certain connection to that stone um, and your connection might be elsewhere. You might connect with the plant or connect with the spirit or something in a way that they really don't. And that's okay. We all have our own thing. Also something that I've learned when it comes to this work is that people will also lie. And I'm not saying that your friend was lying about what she was feeling, but I have watched people just completely be like, oh, I'm just feeling all this stuff. And you're like, no, you're really not. Are you? <laughs> like people will, will go out of their way in order to seem very connected. So never compare yourself to other people because it's not always honest. We don't always have the full story and we all have our own skills. Um, and so I, mm-hmm. I would not be at all concerned about it. It will develop or it won't. You might just spend your time elsewhere and that might be better. And that's totally fine mm-hmm. as well. Um, hone your skills, go where it's, go where it's calling you, go where, you know, your skills seem to be, follow that. Right. Yeah. So it's like Jay and I, for example, he is able to sense spirits and like see the dead. And like, I can't really do that. Like it happens occasionally. I'll get a little, like something will bump up against me and I'll be like, Oh, what, what is that? But like, it's just not my strength. I can do other things. So play to your strengths. Yeah, play to those strengths. Totally fine. And so, yeah, so if Mm -hmm. anyone else is out there um, feeling something similar, you are not broken. You might just simply need more time or, you know, go do something else for a minute. Come back to it. Maybe in a couple years, you know, you will suddenly have huge connections with crystals or whatever it is, you know. Um, But there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. Um, Totally normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All righty, everyone. That wraps up our episode today on the rules, bending them, breaking them, following them, doing what you will with them. Yes. Just realizing that they do exist. And yes. from there, whatever you do, you do. And that's yes. between you and, well, the spirits. Right. And what you should definitely do is witchcraft. Do witchcraft. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or 
If you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there. 